We are continuing our series called Roommates, Bad Dates, and Great Mates. Parents with kids, I would encourage you to take your kid uh, to our kids ministry today, uh, to kids church. Uh, uh, otherwise, you may be answering questions that you don't want to answer. Because today, my topic is how to have an affair. And I said, if you want to tackle that with your kid, they're welcome to stay. But I would advise you to take them to kids' church today. Right here from this platform, right here from this stage today, I'm going to teach you how to have an affair. Oh, that's right. Right here in church, you're going to learn how to have an affair. Let me begin this message by saying that I've never had an affair. My wife Tiffany has never had an affair on me. But I have learned a great deal by watching others who have had an affair and talking to others who have had an affair. I've learned a great deal about how to have an affair. And one of the major things that I've learned about having an affair is that people don't just one day wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, and say, you know what, today I think I'm going to break the Sixth Commandment. I think that today I'm going to commit adultery and have an affair. I think I'm going to cheat on my spouse today. It doesn't work that way. Can I tell you something about having an affair? The path to promiscuity is very predictable. Did you hear me today, Ignite? The path to promiscuity is very, very predictable. You know, listen to me. Nobody just, just wakes up and decides to have an affair. It, it, it's, a pa- it's a process. It's a very predictable pattern. You know, you hear people say sometimes, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I had an affair. I don't know how I ended up in the bed with somebody who wasn't my spouse. I do. You climbed in there. Amen. Hello, did I need to tell you that? Hey, you climbed in there. The path to promiscuity is very predictable. It's, it's a pattern. It's, it's a process. And what I want to do today is I'm going to teach you the predictable path of how to have an affair. I can predict it. I mean, when people tell me, hey, I've had an affair, I, I've blown it, I've cheated on my spouse. Listen, I'm never surprised how it happens. I, I can predict it. I can tell you. I, I can almost tell you exactly how it happened. I can predict it because it's very, very predictable. Point number one on how to have an affair. You can fill in the blanks and take some notes right there in your bulletin. Point one is this. Convince yourself that it can't happen to you. You want to have an affair? Just convince yourself that it will never happen to your marriage. This is the first big step to having an affair. You you just convince yourself that it will not happen to your marriage. Just say it over and over and over again to yourself. Just say, I won't have an affair. Did you just say, there's no way I'll ever cheat on my spouse. I'm too strong to do that. I love God too much. I'm too full of the Holy Spirit to ever do that on my spouse. You you just say this over and over again. You just say, my spouse will never cheat on me. Our marriage is too strong for that. Our love runs too deep for that to ever happen to us. And when you begin to think that, 
When you begin to think it can never happen to you, you know what you're doing? You are opening the door up for an affair to take place. Because people who believe it'll never happen to them, they get lackadaisical about their marriage. They get lackadaisical about investing in their marriage. They they let down their guards and their boundaries because they think it'll never happen to them. And they open, they swing the door wide open. There's a second thing that I want you to notice on how to have an affair. Number two is this. Cultivate a relationship with the other person. Cultivate a relationship with the other person. Let's face it, church. We're men and women here. All of us in this church today are either a man or a woman. Am I talking too fast for you today, folks? And friends, listen, we are going to be attracted to members of the opposite sex. Listen to me, singles. Listen to me, college and 20-somethings. Listen to me today. Don't buy into the myth that one day when you get married to your spouse, and when you get married, you'll no longer be attracted to anybody else. That's not true. I love God with all my heart. I love Tiffany, my wife, with all of my heart. But I know when I see a good-looking woman... My wife loves me with all of her heart. She loves God with all of her heart. But my wife knows when she sees a good-looking man. The difference between my wife and I and other couples who have an affair is my wife and I, we don't cultivate a relationship with the opposite sex. We, we, We just don't go there. You see, people who have an affair, I'm telling you, it's predictable. They begin to cultivate a relationship with the opposite sex. First they say, it'll never happen to me. And then they begin to cultivate a relationship with the opposite sex. I mean, you know how this works. They begin to see somebody maybe at the workplace. They see somebody at the grocery store. They see somebody in the neighborhood. They, they, they see somebody that, that they see at the gym and they have chemistry with. And they begin to cultivate a relationship with them. They begin to talk with them. I mean, you, you know how this works. Some of you, you, you know how this works. They, they, they begin to show up to places they know this person is going to be. They know they take a break every day at work at 10.15 and go to the break room. I'm going to the break room at 10.15. They know every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m., they're going shopping at Walmart. They'll be down the aisle 7 at 6.30. And so they meet them there because they want to talk. They want to cultivate a relationship. And the next thing you know, they, they start flirting with one another. I mean, you know how this works. How are you doing today? Girl, you're looking good. I'm telling you, you're pretty. I like that outfit on you. (laughs) (laughs) Then one of them starts dropping hints to one another. You know, you've heard these kind of hints before. Whoa. Let me tell you, if I was single, whoa, man. They're trying to see how the other person will respond to their hints. You know, they start dropping, dropping hints like, boy, your husband sure is lucky to have you. Boy, your wife is sure lucky to be married to you. And they just want to fill out how the other person responds. The other person starts responding like they want. They take it a step further and they start talking and they start communicating. They start sharing intimate things about their life. They start sharing marital struggles. They, they start opening up their life, and they begin to cultivate a relationship with the other. You want to know how to have an affair? Just think it can't happen to you. And you begin to cultivate a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. Number three is this. There's a, a, a third thing 
that you have to do to have an affair. Number three is this, compare your spouse to the other person. You just compare your spouse to the other person. It'll lead you down the road to an affair. You know what I'm talking about. You see that good-looking woman at work and you think, well, I wish my wife had lips like that. Boy, I, I wish my husband was as sweet as you are. Boy, I wish my wife was built like you. Boy, I wish my husband complimented me like you compliment me. I wish my spouse had a personality like that person. Let me tell you what you do. You start playing the compare game. You start comparing your spouse to other people. You're swinging the door wide open to have an affair. You are going down a slippery slope. You're getting in dangerous territory by comparing your spouse to somebody else. Don't, don't do it. It's, it leads you to an affair. There's a fourth thing. There's a fourth thing I want you to notice. First of all, convince yourself it won't happen to you. Cultivate a relationship with the other person. Then spend all of your mind. Let your mind run wild. Come up with fantasies. I wish I could be along with this person. I, 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 I wish my spouse was like this. And I wonder what it would be like just to spend some time with them alone. And, and let those, those fantasies run through your mind by comparing your spouse to them. And number four is this. Connect with the other person. Connect with the other person. Finally, you connect with this person and have sex with them. You simply do physically what you've been doing mentally and emotionally for some time. And now you're just acting it out. And now you've committed adultery. You've had an affair. And you know how this works. I mean, it's very predictable. You start sneaking around. You start meeting this person in hotels. You start changing your email password on your computer. Come on, I'm blowing somebody's cover today, amen. You start locking your cell phone when nobody can get inside your cell phone. You get real defensive when they do want to look at your phone. And you start meeting this person and after hours you tell your spouse and lie to them that you are working late at the work at the job when really you're meeting this other person you start scheduling business trips that are not really needed and to meet this other person you start lying to your spouse and saying that you're hanging out with your friends when you're really with this other person and now you've committed adultery and you're having an affair and it only leads down a road of destruction. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 3. The Word of God says, for the lips of an adulteress drip honey. I mean, it, it looks very enticing, very seductive, drips honey. And her speech is smoother than all. Somebody who's committing adultery, they have smooth speech. They're a slick talker. They're cunning. Verse 4, but in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet, notice what the scripture says, her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Listen, nothing positive is going to happen by you having an affair and committing adultery. It leads you down a very damaging path. The scripture says, verse 6, she gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. You see, people who commit have an adult commit have an affair. They start going down a path, and they think it's cool. They think it's good, and they don't even realize it. But they're going down a very crooked path, and they don't even realize where it's leading them to. 
The scripture goes on to say in verse number seven, now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to the path far from her. Do not go near the door of her. Stay away from her. Stay away from him. Don't even get close to them. I mean, you back way far from this person to protect your marriage. Verse number nine, if you do have an affair, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. And instead of investing your time and energy into your family, you're spending your time and energy invested in somebody else's family, invested in some other person. The scripture goes on to say in verse 10, let strangers feast on your wealth and your toll enrich another man's house. You have an affair? You're going to fool around taking care of somebody else's family, scripture says. You're going to invest your money and your energy in somebody else's home. Verse number 11 says, at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned to correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. Notice verse 14. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. This thing ruined my life. It messed up my life. It damaged my life. Nothing good happens by having an affair. What I want to do for the remainder of this message today is I want to talk to you about how to safeguard your marriage from an affair. Listen, singles, 20-somethings, sing, single folks, listen to me today. You put this into practice. You hear what I'm saying, that one day when you get married, you can protect your future marriage. It's very important that you don't tune me out, but you tune me in and you hear what God's Word has to say about how to safeguard your marriage, your future marriage. Number one is this. Here's what you do. We, we gotta, we, we're going to take this process that I gave you, and we're going to reverse it. That's how, you, that's how you safeguard your marriage. You reverse the process I just gave you. Number one is this. Convince yourself that it can happen to you. It can happen to you. If you're going to safeguard your marriage, you have to come to the realization that you can have an affair. It can happen to your marriage. I don't care who you are. You may be a pastor in this place today. You may sing on the worship team, play an instrument. You may be a leader in the church. You may have been serving the Lord for years, and it can happen to you. Some of you are here today, and you think, oh, it can't happen to me, Pastor. You just don't know me and my family, my wife. We love each other. It'll never happen to us. It cannot happen to us. I would just simply say to you, remember David, who the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. This fellow was picked, handpicked by God at an early age to serve the Lord, to be the king of Israel. And the Bible says that Samuel went down and God handpicked David and Samuel anointed David with oil. The hand of God was on David's life as a boy. And listen, David was a mighty warrior for God. David was a worshiper, would dance for the Lord. David ended up becoming the king over Israel because of God's mighty hand. And the Bible, who the Bible calls a man after God's own heart one day, went down a slippery slope. And he had an affair with a lady named Bathsheba. And the man, after God's own heart, killed her husband. It took him down a very dangerous path. And all I'm saying is, if it can happen to David, it can happen to you. 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 It can happen to me. So, Pastor, how do we safeguard our marriage? You've got to convince yourself that it can happen to you. And when you convince yourself that it can happen to you, here's the scripture that you need to apply to your life and to your marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 through 13. So if you think 
you are standing firm. If you think everything's great in my life, I will never fall. I will never commit adultery. I'll I'll never slip up in my marriage relationship. He says, listen, if you think you're standing firm, you think you're spiritually whole, he says, be careful. Be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. He says the same thing as the writer of Proverbs says. The writer of Proverbs says, stay far from her path. Stay far from him. Don't go near. Be careful. Why should we be careful? Verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. It's very predictable. The path to promiscuity is very predictable. There's no temptation that has seized you except that which is common to man. He goes on to say, But when you are tempted, and we are all tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Jot this down. Jot this down. You want to safeguard your marriage? When you convince yourself that it can happen to you, here's the step that you need to take. You need to set some boundaries in your marriage. Hear me today. Jot that down. Set up some boundaries in your marriage. Those of you dating, looking to get married, listen, set up some boundaries When we get married, these are the boundaries that we're going to have to safeguard our marriage. My wife and I, we love each other. We're committed to each other. We value our marriage. We value the Lord's blessing upon our home. And because of that, my wife and I have safeguarded our marriage. We have some boundaries that we've set up. And I'm not telling you that you need to come up with our boundaries, but you need to sit down with your spouse and you guys need to talk and come up with some boundaries for your marriage. Here's one of the boundaries that my wife and I have. We are never alone together with the opposite sex. It just won't happen. You won't see me sitting around, somebody driving a girl in the car, sitting around with my office and the doors closed. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Be careful lest you fall. Tiffany's never alone with someone of the opposite sex. Not, not, not going to happen. We, we're gonna say, we, we value our marriage too much. We want to protect our marriage. Uh, another boundary that my wife and I have is that we don't have any friends of the opposite sex. The day I married my wife, be 11 years ago in December, I cut off all ties with any, any female ladies. I, I don't have any friends that are females. Uh, my wife didn't have any men that are females. I mean, that are men. Amen. Come In today's world, you better watch out. Don't edit the video, baby. Keep it in there. Keep, keep it in there. Amen. <laughs> but, but you won't see me having a phone conversation with some lady after work, just, how are you doing today? Can't tell me about, uh-uh. I don't come home from work and my wife's on the phone saying, hey, boy, how you doing? How, tell me about your day, boy. Uh-uh, I'm your boy. That's, I'm the boy around here, amen. Because we are safeguarding our marriage. And all I'm telling you is that you need to come up with some boundaries for your marriage because you value your marriage and God's blessing on your home too much to let an affair happen. Number two, there is a a second thing that you need to do to safeguard your marriage. Number two, cultivate your relationship with your spouse. Cultivate a relationship with your spouse. And here's another kicker. Don't you dare cultivate a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. Don't do it. Listen, when it comes to the opposite sex, here's a rule of mine. When it comes to the opposite sex, keep it surface. Keep it surface. You don't need to open up and... Tell your feelings and emotions and struggles in your home. and fa- uh, 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 uh. Now, you may have an accountability partner that's the same sex. Or you, you, tell that, you tell that to your spouse. And hear, hear me, hear me. Don't you ever down your spouse in front of somebody else. 
Can I tell you, you're not helping your marriage. You're not encouraging your marriage. You're not strengthening your marriage by downing your spouse to other people. That, that's not helping your home and your, and your family. And when, you come, when it comes to cultivating a relationship with your spouse, here's one of the difficult things you have to understand, is you have to keep your marriage from danger zones. Here's the thing that I know about every marriage. Every marriage has challenging times. Every marriage does. There are great times and there are challenging times, but in both seasons, great times and challenging times, you have to work at cultivating a relationship with your spouse. My wife and I, we are going through a very challenging season in our life, in our marriage, in our home. We got four kids, four and a half years and younger. We got two of them in diapers and two of them can't talk. You know, what'd you say? Hey, Tiff, what did he say? And we would have every excuse in the book not to cultivate our marriage. I mean, we have every excuse. Life's busy. We got four kids. I mean, we just don't have time to be our best friends. I mean, we'll be best friends in a later season of our life, but right now it's just crazy. Uh-uh, we can have every excuse. But my wife and I, we have chosen to cultivate a relationship with one another. She's my best friend. I said I do to her. And even during challenging seasons like now, we still invest in our marriage. Say, Pastor, how do you and Tiffany do that? Well, my wife and I, we go out, we go out on dates without the kids. That's right. I got a two-month-old baby, and we left that boy at home with a babysitter. Amen. I'm taking your mama out. You'll be here when I get back, I promise. Yeah, listen, some of you men, you need to start taking your wife out. Take her on a date. Come on. I remember back in the day when, when, when y'all were just dating, you weren't married. Boy, you used to take her out. Was broke and find some money. Look in the ashtray so you could take her out to eat. I mean, uh, now you won't ever take her out to eat. Come on, take it out to eat. Come on, get the kids in the car. We're going to swing through Taco Bueno. Come on, what you want? Girl, what you want to eat? Come on. Take that woman out to eat a steak. Come on, ladies, say amen. I'm trying to help you out here. You ought to get up with a hanky. Preach faster. I'm trying to get you a free Friday night dinner. Amen, girl. Help a brother. <laughs> you got to cultivate the relationship. You got to spend time communicating and talking. Don't give all of your energy and time talking at work and to friends and have nothing left for each other to communicate. Listen, you've got to spend time romancing one another. Men, I didn't say have sex. Amen. Come on, ladies. Say amen. You don't romance me, brother. Come on. Buy me some flowers. Get me some chocolate. Come on. Tell me I'm fine. Come on. Tell me I look good. I done had your babies and I still look good. Come on, tell me. Come on, tell me something here. Come on, come on, ladies, help a brother. Amen. Preach, Pastor. Preach. Romancer. You did all that to get her. Get her. Come on, don't stop now. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 18. I tell my wife, baby, you look good. You ought to ask God. Chase around the house, tell her how good she looks. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Amen. Glory in the highest. I better stop now. Amen. Proverbs chapter 5, verse number 18. The scripture says, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. The woman that you married when you were young. The scripture says, as you grow old with her, rejoice. How do you rejoice in your wife all the days of your life? You got to cultivate the relationship in your marriage. You got to invest in your Marriage. Number three, there's a, a third thing that I want you to see. How to safeguard your marriage from an affair. Number three, don't compare your spouse to others. Don't do that. 
Don't compare your spouse to others. Can I tell you, when you do that, things most of the time are not as they appear anyways. They're not as they appear. You create this fantasy into your own, in your own mind that's not even real and true. It's fantasy world. Reminds me of a story I told you a few years ago. There was a man who, who loved going to the opera. He just loved to go listen to opera singers. It reminds me a lot of myself. I love opera. Psych! But anyways, he, he, he liked going to the opera and listening to opera singers. And there was this one particular opera singer that he just really liked. He would go listen to her sing. And he would sit there and compare his wife to this lady and think, man, I wish my wife could sing like that. He'd come back for another opera show and he would see her and just stare at her and go, man, she's so pretty. I wish my wife was as pretty as this woman. Wow, she's gorgeous. And he'd come back show after show, and he would just fantasize and think about this lady and how pretty she was and how wonderful she could sing. And one day he, he was able to get close to her and get an autograph from her, and he began to have conversation and dialogue back and forth with her, and there was chemistry. There were some sparks there. And so this married man asked his opera singer out to eat. Say, well, you going to come out to eat with me? She said, sure. And they began to eat their dinner, and they were talking, and there was just great chemistry. They were connecting well. He said, hey, would you like to come back to a hotel with me after this? She said, sure. And they went to a hotel after they ate dinner and got into the hotel room and closed the door, and uh, the opera singer took off her wig, and she had three strands of gray hair, gray hair down the front of her head, and she took off her eyelashes. She pulled off her fake fingernails. It took her a few minutes, but she popped off her leg, her wooden leg. She had a wooden leg. And that brother just looked at her. She said, she said, is there something wrong? He said, sing, baby, sing, sing. <laughs> Things are not as they always appear. Here, here, let me tell you, here's what we do. Here's what we do. We, we take our spouse at their worst moment, at their worst moment, and then we compare them to this other person at their best moment. Let me tell you something. That person you're fantasizing about, if you look at them at 3 o'clock in the morning, they're stinky and funky and nasty too. And you try to compare your spouse at their worst moment when they're all dressed up, cleaned up, neat and pretty. Let me, listen, you're in a fantasy world. Don't compare your spouse. Somebody else? Things are not as they appear. Matter of fact, here's what the scripture says in Second Corinthians chapter ten and verse number five. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Notice what the scripture says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought that comes in your mind that doesn't honor God, every thought that comes in your mind that would tear down your marriage, every thought that comes in your mind that tries to compare your spouse to somebody else, listen, you have to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Some of you are living in a fantasy world and you got to begin to take those thoughts captive and make it obedient to Christ. Stop comparing your spouse to other people. You want to fair-proof your marriage, don't play the compare game. I close with point number four. There's a fourth thing that I want you to notice about how to affair-proof your marriage. Number four, connect with your spouse regularly. Connect with your spouse regularly. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? You and your spouse need to connect sexually on a regular basis. Come on, all the men should say amen. Come on. Come on. We ain't going to let all the women have all the fun. Amen, Pastor. Preach. Some of you are scared to say amen. You know. 
Amen. 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 Well, I feel you. I, I feel you. I feel you. Paul says, this, this is not, this is not, I didn't make this up. Your Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 through 5. It says, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. Come on, husband, just look at your wife and say, that body is mine. Amen. Just tell her that. That's right. Don't be writing me no letters. Paul said that. Your body belongs to your husband. That's in the Bible. It goes on to say, in the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Come on, wife. Look at the husband. Says, that body is mine. Take out the trash tomorrow, boy. Amen. Come on, that body. It's mine. Verse number five, Paul goes on to say, do not deprive each other. That's what the Bible says. Don't deprive each other except for mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. You've heard me tell this joke before, but it's worth repeating again. You know, now it's not going to be I have a headache. Now it's, I'm praying, honey. I'm praying. No, 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 no. Except for mutual consent. You shouldn't use sex as a weapon. Shouldn't you sex for leverage? Uh-uh, uh-uh. He goes on to say, then come together again so that Satan will, will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. He knew this would be an area of temptation. He says, don't, 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 don't play that game. You've got to connect with your spouse regularly. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 18 through 21. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Scripture says, may your spouse always satisfy you. May you always be captivated by your spouse's love. I love the questions he asks in verse 20. Why be captivated by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's way are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his past. Why do it? Why go down that road? All it's going to bring is pain and hurt and destruction. You lose your reputation. Why, why, why go down that road? Honestly, I'm honest with you today. I have a fear of ever having an affair. I'm just scared to. I'm just, listen, I love my wife. I love my kids. The last thing that I ever want to do is to damage my wife damage my kids. I value my relationship with my... All you have to do, listen, you, you, you're tempted, just start thinking about your future. Think about the pain you get ready to cause. The damage you're going to bring into your life. The reputation that you're going to ruin. You know what? I love God's blessing in my life. God's been so good to our family. I got the coolest job in the world. I got a pastor. I get to see lives changed week after week by the power of Jesus Christ. We got a growing church that's, that's impacting the city. And the last thing that I want to do is bring damage to my future and God's plan for my life. And listen, some of you are messing around. You're flirting. Your mind is running wild. And I'm telling you, stop. Stop. That road looks so sweet and seductive, but I'm telling you, it leads to pain. It leads to heartache. It leads to turmoil. It leads to chaos. It's not worth it. And I realize some of you in this place, you you have had an affair. I realize there are some people that are hurting today. And behind all the smiles and the laughing, inside you're hurting. And you're fighting back the tears because your spouse has disappointed you. And he or she has hurt you. 
and you've lost trust in the marriage and you're hurting today. And here's what I want you to know. God is a healer. He really is. He can heal your marriage. He can restore your home. He can. Listen, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It'll be a long journey, but he can do it. It may take Christian counseling. It may take lots of months and years of talking and processing and building trust again. But it can happen. God can heal. And you can still have a great, great marriage. God can do that for you. Lord, today, thanks for your word.